0: This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at GYCweb.org.
1: Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the privilege that we have of serving you in our workplace. Father, we want to ask that you, Holy Spirit can guide this uh, presentation this morning. Help us, Father, to be faithful and to be instrument in Your hands this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I praise God for the mic. Um, I do have some challenges with my voice, and, um, and and this way I don't have to project my voice that much. Now let's start with um, this seminar. is going to be focusing on the dangers of working in the uh, in my case, corporate world, but working in the non-Christian you know, um, environment. But I will tell you one thing. This is applicable anywhere that you work. There are many dangers, and that's what we need to be aware of. Now, um, last time, we talked about the fact that um, we need to be in prayer because the reality is we need God's guidance when we are in a work environment um, that is not a Christian environment. But let me just read to you this quote from Evangelism, page 561. It says, "Prayers are often requested for men and women in affliction, and this is as it should be. But the most earnest prayers should be solicited for those who are placed in where, in a prosperous position. These men are in the greatest danger." of losing the soul. In the valley of humiliation, we can walk securely while we reverence God and make him our trust on the lofty pinnacles where praise is heard, where our wisdom and greatness is exalted. We need a special power and a special arm to sustain us. Amen. Now, I will tell you that I am a witness of this quote. The reason why I'm saying that, I had a godly friend that I will never forget her telling me, I'm praying for you, I'm afraid of you. Um, By nature, I grew up in an environment where there was no time to play. (laughs) The time to play, it was the time to work but they made work fun. So for me, even if I don't get paid, I just enjoy working. For me, it is fun to do windows. Believe it or not. Some of you may look at me like you got to be crazy, but I had the most memorable fun, just cleaning windows in my house. So the point that I'm trying to make is by nature, I will tend to work really hard I don't need the outside incentive to work hard and be excellent in what I do because that's how I learned. That's what we should do. So in a corporate world, I had actually many doors open. And it was really fast when I was climbing, actually, the ladder of um, the corporate world. And it was dangerous. I was not ready for it. But I had a Christian friend that never, never, never gave up on praying. Never give up on calling me and calling me and praying. I didn't know how dangerous it was. But God opened my eyes and I understood. But I will tell you, for those that are here for the first time that did not go to the first seminar, I will tell you that working and being in the work environment is one of the privileges that God gives you to share his love with so many other people. So I am not by no means undermining the value on the way that God can use you in your workplace, okay, for those that are coming new to this um, seminar. But I will tell you that it's very dangerous to be in a place where God, I think, is applicable in everything in life. If God is not calling you to be in a place, it's dangerous. It doesn't matter what it is, even if it's, you know, visiting or a vacation. If God is not leading you to that, it's very dangerous. Satan will actually open the doors. Um, will we'll use that opportunity to tend to you. The other thing that is a foundational that we need to be aware is that, and we talk in the first one, what is? Influence is the key. It's not a position, it's what? Influence that you have. So what that means is if your position is of um, secretary, will that make you less effective in reaching out to others? Probably not. Actually, just the opposite. Yeah, much better. Yes, yeah, just to have more opportunities. So the position is not what it matters, it's the influence. So we as Christians, our focus should not be in what? In positions, but guarding our influence. That's what we need to guard our influence. Let's read this quote that I find it very powerful. In Christ's Object Lesson, page 339, it says, This is a responsibility from which we cannot free ourselves. Our words, our acts, our dress, our deportment, even the expression of the countenance has an influence. Upon the impression, those made their hand results for good or evil, which no man can measure. Every impulse those imparted is seed sown, which will produce its harvest. It is a link in the long chain of human event. Extending, we know no wider. If by our example, we aid others in the development of good principles, we give them power to do good. In their turn, they exert the same influence upon others, and they upon still others, those by our unconscious influence, thousands may be blessed. Now, when we are talking about influence in the workplace, we are talking by simple things that makes a big difference. We're talking about actually in the way that you answer the phone. Have you noticed, that? I don't know if you had that experience, when you have somebody really speaking loud on the phone, and you always hear that person on the phone, and you're hearing things that you don't even want to hear? It is so annoying. <laughs> but the same way that that person has that influence, you even know what is happening with their kids and everything. You, you know things that you don't even want to know. The same way when you answer the phone in a very courteous way, when you have a very angry customer on the other side and you're just answering in a very polite way, you just excel an influence that you cannot imagine. And it's not with the person that you're talking, it's the people that are listening around. The same way that you come, one thing that is, it's something that for me was always very important, it was the good morning. It was something that I just can't understand. I come from a Hispanic culture, so it was only the, it was not only the good morning, but the hug, you know, you always hug people. It just, when I came to the U.S., that was one of the things that I missed the most. It was actually the hugging. I just could not understand why people did not want to hug me. But um, I will tell you one thing. Um, when I uh, started working uh, in this, that time I was working for Pratt and & Whitney, and I remember that, um, The first couple of months, I did not, by the way, when I came to the U.S., I did not speak English. So I started that job. They hired me when I finished my MBA in in Puerto Rico. And I remember that they said that they hired me because I had potential. I had nothing to lose, so I decided to come and at least learn English. That's what I had in mind. I said, well, if something goes wrong, I'll go back. That's not a problem with me. But um, I will tell you that after two months, I was so homesick. I was so homesick that the only thing that I will do is just go in back home and cry. Literally cry for hours. My husband got to the point where he said, You know, I don't want to see you crying anymore. You know, it was really bad. But I realized that one of the things that was important for me, it was the hugging part. It was actually the, the it was not hugging, it was just the you know, the lap in your the touching. It was not actually the touching. Um, until I realized, because I could not understand how they will express that they care, you know, that, that they, they were grateful for what I did. Um, and at that point I was immature enough to just think that I needed that reward. I was not focusing on what God was thinking about me, but, um, I will tell you one thing. It had a huge influence when my boss one time realized that I didn't say a word, but he came and actually touched me. It was like, I was cured. I was like, that's it. Then I realized that the ways that they express actually that they care is with a good bonus and things like that. And I was fine with it too. So hugging, I'll just let my husband hug me and that's it. I was fine with that. But just keep in mind one thing, not that I am encouraging you to hug, but sometimes some people have specific needs and you just be sensitive to that. And doing minor things, you can make a huge difference in people's life. And I think the good morning and just be very polite at work using and selecting the words that you answer, it just makes such a, it's like music to people's ears. So just simple things like that can make what a huge influence on others. Now, what we're what we going to be talking about here is um, the different traps that you can fall into. Okay, I'm going to share with you ten of them. Why ten? Because I just stopped counting in ten. But in reality, those are the major ones. But as I discuss that, the first two that I'm going to present to you, I will tell you that are, I will call it foundational risks that you're taking. Satan will go straight to these two. Because if he can just attack that, he doesn't need to worry about anything else. You can be just working and pretend that you're sharing Christ and that you want to reach to people's heart. If he can get you into these two, just, you're you just, just losing all the effectiveness and all the influence that God wanted you to do. The first one is losing your dependence on God. When you get a job, one of the things that we look for when we hire people is that they are what? confidence. They just really understand, they feel confident in what they do. they understand it. But as Christians, we are called to be one. Depend upon God. trust um, in God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. How can you reconcile those two things? How can you reconcile those two things? Dependence on God and also be what they call self-confidence. Do you want to go to a doctor where you're just not sure if you should take this medication or the other, that I'm not sure if this one will be better than the other? Have you had a doctor talking like that? I hope no. I really hope no. They usually come, I'm going to give you this medication and this is going to make you feel blah, blah, blah. And you just trust them. Don't you think? The same thing happened in any, any, any profession. You expect that when you have an employee, you can just tell them, you know, I need a balance sheet by Tuesday. I don't want anybody to come here. Uh, which balance sheet are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? That's just not good. Now, let's just be clear about and be specific into what we are talking about here. The best example that we can find is actually the example of Daniel. Um, God is expecting us to be confident in what we do. And remember what I mentioned before, and we're going to be talking more about this, professional development. It is as important as what at outreach and how to reach others' development. It is ex- important to be excellent in what you do. Um, any professional is expected to be self-confident and willing to take risk. That's another thing. You need to be willing to take risk. But as Christians, we are called to a higher calling, to trust our God with all our heart and not to lean into our own understanding. The basic question we need to ask daily is, is it God an intricate part of my daily responsibilities? That's where the fine line is. Am I leaning on his power to guide every step of the way? If you do, you will show a holy confidence, not in yourself, but in him. This will attract people to the source of your strength and confidence. Um, I will read something. um, Oh, I said, I also mentioned about uh, Daniel. It says, remember the example of Daniel. His communion with God was not a secret. Do you realize that? It was not a secret, the communion with God. All those who Daniel was in contact knew that Daniel's confidence was not in himself, but in the God whom he served. It is a big difference between self-confidence and a confidence that God is guiding your step. But that confidence cannot come unless you have a connection with your creator, unless God is part, integral part of everything that you do. Now, it is easy to say how, that, how does that really sound and look like. It is just when you have that opportunity, not only in the mornings but during the day, when you have a difficult situation and you raise your thoughts and you pray, God help me, what should I do? A few weeks ago, I had a challenge when I was working and we had a, a difficult situation. And to be honest, I had no idea what to do. But it was not a time to just share with others that I had no idea what to do. It was not a time because that was not a, appropriate to do. But I, to be honest, I raised my eyes and I just said, God, I needed time. I actually take time out, time, time out. It's like, no, time out. I just disappear. A few minutes. I just needed God. I need to pray to him. But I will tell you that that was not the story of my life. That was not in the past. In the past, I will jump with self-confidence. And, and God will work. Let me just tell you, God is so, so, so great. He will still use sometimes your mistakes. For the blessing of others. But um, I will tell you, I have one thing here, a, a quote that I liked it, that it goes along with this. He said, he who served under the bloodstained banner of Emmanuel, Emmanuel, this is from Acts of the Apostle, page 362, will have to do which we'll, we'll call the heroic, heroic efforts and patient endurance. But the soldiers of the cross stands unshrinkly in the forefront of the battle. As the enemy presses the attack against him, he turns to the strongholds for aid, and as he brings to the Lord promises of the word, is strengthened for the duty of the hour. He realizes his need of strength from above. The victory that he gains do not lead to self-exactation, but cause him to lean more and more heavily on the Mighty One. Relying upon that power, he is unable to is to present the message of salvation for all minds. If you think about it, one of the things that um, you Satan will try to get you into, that busyness will interrupt your communion with God. Busyness is not only thing that putting your work above your time with God. And now I am talking not about other things that your personal communion with God. There are times when you need to set boundaries. There are times when you need to say, these are the lines. I start working at 8 o'clock. I am not reading my email before that. I'm not opening my email. At the beginning, it may show or it may look like shocking to others, but I will tell you one thing, people get used to that. And they know that you open your email at 8 o'clock and they know that they will not contact you until 8 o'clock. Whatever the time it is. For me, sometimes it's six o'clock in the morning, believe it or not, because I always wake up at four o'clock in the morning. But I will tell you that for me, there are two things that are important right now is going to bed early and wake up very early to have my communion with God. Okay. now I will tell you that that was not, as I mentioned, it was not the case. And I noticed the difference. I noticed a huge difference. Self-confidence comes when you lose actually your connection with God. And you start doing things on your own. That's not what a Christian woman should be like. It should be our strength comes from our communion with him that he leads us into what we should do during the day. Okay? So let's talk about the other one. Career planning versus development planning. And we talk about that in the other um, seminar, actually. We should strive for excellence in everything that we do. It is is one of the best witnessing tools in a world that is full of mediocrity Um, your professional development is a calling from god you have to keep up and this is a repeat from the first seminar but you have to keep up with your professional development why because god is calling you if he calls you to be where you are you better be prepared to for what you're doing Um, Not only that, it is expected that the world is moving, new information. You may think, especially medicine, it will be with service organizations, but when you're talking also even business and things like that, you need to keep up with what is happening. You need to be intelligent enough to speak with somebody so they can listen to you, so your influence can be broader, you know? So your personal development, I'm sorry, your professional development is important. But as I mentioned before, the risk is there are two components. There's a professional development, and what is the other one? The spiritual development. Not only your personal communion with God, but how to reach to others. And the trap that he is going to get y- you into is actually the trap of your professional development becomes your world. It's endless. If you think about news, what is going on in the world, you can spend hours during the day just finding what is going on in the world. It takes everything, all the time. The other thing that I was going to tell you is that he is going to try to put you into competition. You know, the, I mentioned about the raising the bar every single year. Um, one of the things that we do is what they call development planning. So in that organization, they actually look and every year you do your development planning. That means what are you going to be learning during this year? What what areas are you going to be focusing on? Basically, they take your standard of where you are today and you actually decide which areas do you want to develop. And then you put into paper what things are you going to do to develop those areas. And actually, they... Take percentage of your time of work that have to be spent in your development, professional development. Now, when you're thinking about that, Satan is going to get you because basically you can spend all your life developing yourself. You will never know enough. But how does the Christian needs to uh, focus or needs to approach that? I don't want to lose that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a quote that says, but in order, and we mentioned that, but in order to do this, all workers will have to keep themselves up to a high level of intelligence. They cannot do this work and sink down to a low common level, feeling that it does not matter how much they labor or what they say. They will have to sharpen up and be armed and equipped in order to present the truth intelligently and to reach to higher classes. That is Evangelism, page 556. So we know that actually part of our development is actually develop our ability to reach out to others, being able intelligently to share actually truth with others. That is part of our development that we are responsible to God. So how should we respond? Let me just tell you something. You have to trust God. There are some boundaries that you need to set also. And you need to trust God. I put over here, it says, I wrote something to share with you that says, I will encourage you to ask God to give you wisdom and abilities to perform your job. Sometimes one of the things that I've seen God do do in my life is actually I use the talents that he gave me. And I don't know how, but he actually developed and gave me other talents that I never knew I had. Sometimes we just have, God puts us in a situation where we have, no choice than to walk and move forward, but we, had, we need to use what he's giving us. The talents that he has given you, you have to put it to work completely. Surrender so everything and use it, and he will give you more. There is a component of our development that comes from God, okay? So um, you need to trust him. He can give you new talents as long as you have been a good stewards of the talent that he has already given you. Many people that I work with, I notice that they are really afraid of even trying to use everything that God has given them. But my experience is I put everything in the altar, and all of a sudden I have more talents. Uh, Be diligent in your work, and always strive for excellence according to God's given abilities. You know, you do your best. Don't try to measure yourself based on others. Um, One of the things that... um, we used to do at GE is that every year and a half, they encourage you to move from to a different job within the company. And they did that for one reason. They wanted to develop your skill sets. They said that that creates more well-rounded leaders. But every time that they change me every year and a half, they actually is up to you. But they give, they'll just give you the opportunity, you take it or leave it. That's as simple as that. I remember that going to an area that I had no clue what I was doing. I really had no clue how things will work, and um, and it was very stressful. But I will tell you, and that's why I almost smile. I just enjoy my walk with God when I just just use what I have, and all of a sudden, I not only understand what I am doing, but on, not only that I excel to that doing that. But it's not because I trust the Lord that God is going to give me. If you put me over here, you will give me the skills to just, you know, uh, resolve this issue. So the, in the, your development, there's God is part of that development. Just think as God, as your development manager, you know, um, I was going to say something about your influence because I just, I remember something that I really wanted to share with you. Um, I used to be, um, what they call master black belt. Some of you have no idea what it is, but it's actually a quality title. That they give to people um, that lead actually, uh, initiatives to save money or bring more money to the company. And um, usually we had very aggressive goals every year, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 million dollars. And it was a very stressful work. But one of the things that we did is we deal a lot with consolidation you know, we buy companies. The one way that companies do to grow, that the way that they grow is that they actually buy other companies. They buy the competition, you know? And when they buy them, they actually need to consolidate their customer service, their operation, payroll, everything. So, um, I remember that that was one of the toughest jobs that I had, leading on a consolidation, because that will involve losing, actually um, um, eliminating jobs. Um, changing people around, and it was very stressful. It was something that it drains me every time that I need to deal with that because I knew I was impacting people's life and family's life, and that was just hard. But one of the things that I used to do, and it was so much fun, it was I would look at the organizational chart when I was going in into our organization. I would look at the organizational chart, who was who. But my job when I would go in, it was not to find who was who, but who was the one that was leading the area? Many times, it was not actually the one that was in the organizational chart. It was somebody else. And that person, you just need to find who was the one that is influencing the department. Have you had that experience of people that do not have the position, but almost is the one that tells what is going on without them realizing it? Um, That's how powerful is the influence of your life. So I will just make sure that that person was get buy-in from that person. So I can actually do what I wanted to do because if by any chance that person becomes my enemy, what will happen? It will fail. Everything will fail. So the first thing that you do is you, when you go to a group like that, find who's in, who's the, the person that influenced the most. And I always thought about that. That should be really our strategy. Also, when we're thinking about evangelism, Find out who's the person that has the most influence in a group and work and focus on that person because whatever that person does, it just gets spread to others. Okay? I just forgot that I wanted to mention that when we were talking about influence. So, back to development and the traps that uh, Satan will put in your way. Laying treasures on earth. Now, one of the things that as a professional woman, we tend to do, and it's by nature, we do that at home too, we do a lot of planning. Where are we going next vacation? Um, how much are, you know, what do I need to buy in groceries and things like that that 's a good thing. But when you 're talking about work, its just your mindset keeps always planning into the salary this year, the house, the payments, everything it's just, Everything goes into thinking about the future. Um, I will tell you one thing when you 're working and you start earning and you um, get into uh, a level that, um, you can afford many of the luxuries. There is, you're, you're probably will surround, be surrounded by luxury and gadgets that may feel pleasant and encouraging at the beginning. But remember that the end of those things is what? Destruction. When we think about that, there is this sense in your mind, you know, you almost, when you walk into an office that, not actually an office, a building where all the plants, have you noticed, are perfect. There's no dead leaf. Have you noticed that? And you touch and they're real. Yeah. They come at night. I don't know if you have seen what they do at night. I Remember, I work until late at night, so I know exactly what they do. They always have scissors and they will cut every single brown thing that comes into those plants. Um, and then you go to the office and always the windows are clean. You know, those windows, glass windows, oh, beautiful. Um, your carpet, everything is always so neat, you know, there is this thing, one day you cannot enjoy it, but then you get used to it, you get used to it, then you go to work, and then what are the, talki- the topics that they talk about, they talk about the nice places to eat, they talk about the computers, Apple, I got the latest, the iPad, the this, the that, you know, that, that's, that's really, is true, that's what they, the, what the, the topics are at work, don't, you know, look at me, in reality, that's what it is. Then your mind gets used to that, and you lose touch with reality. You lose touch with reality. I will tell you one thing. Um, That is not reality in this world. That is not the reality in this world. Um, I will read to you one quote, and then I will share with you an experience. It's from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 246. Moses, had been instructed in regard to the final reward to be given to the humble and obedient servants of God. And worldly gains sank to its proper insignificance in comparison. The magnificent palace and the monarch's throne were held out as an endorsement to Moses, but he knew that the sinful pleasures that make men forget God were in his lordship court. He looked beyond the gorgeous palace, beyond a monarch crown, to the high honor that will be bestowed to the saints of the Most High in a kingdom unattained, un, untamed by sin. He saw by faith as imperishable crown that the King of Heaven will place in the brow of the overcomer. This faith led him to turn away from lordly ones of the earth. We have to have the mindset that all those things are not real. And the reason why I'm saying that is because by nature, you will start losing contact with reality. Um, One of the things that I would recommend to people is always get involved with something in the community. For example, um, when I had um, the challenge, I have a, a health issue that I will share tomorrow again. Um, When I was working, I actually, if you notice, I'm I'm having trouble with my voice, but I actually, I almost lost my voice. And it was one of the most painful situations that I ever had. I actually almost lost my life. But um, I will tell you that after I recover from that, it's almost like everything fall into perspective, into what was really important. I was really completely blind to the needs of the people around me, and after I recovered from that, I decided to start working uh, in a mentorship program in a public school, and that was one of the most beautiful experiences. It helped me to stay in contact into what is really important. In a corporate America, it's very hard because you will lose sense of what is really happening around you. I will recommend you that anywhere that you're working, always schedule at least once a year, if that's possible, a mission trip, or at least get involved into mentorship or any type of community service where you need to deal with the people that are in pain around you. Get out of the building. Get out of that environment. Get out of that. And just always stay in touch with the needs of the ones around you. That will definitely help you to keep perspective into what is important. To spend your money and help with things that are, to actually uh, build treasures in heaven, not in earth. That is one of the dangers. Tribe number four. As human beings, we always uh, like the personal recognition. And we are looking for approval. In our inner being, we have this sense of the need of approval. A need for knowing that what we are doing is the right thing to do. A need of approval that what I did, it was good. Now, one of the things that we found that caused dissatisfaction at work is actually the inability of a manager of giving feedback to their employees. For that reason, when you have a manager in your hands and you have the opportunity to lead the manager, one of the things that you make sure that they do is just having good feedback to their employees. They used to give a lot of bonuses, but they found that it's not really that what caused people to work better. It's actually that positive feedback that, you know, what you did last night, it was, I really appreciate that. You know, you, it was really a good job what you did, but you have to be honest feedback and things like that. But as a Christian, let me just tell you, we work for human beings that make mistakes. Our incentive of doing something can never be the approval of of any other man. Our incentive to do a good job, it cannot be because I want to receive recognition. Our only incentive is because we work for the master. And everything that we have belongs to to him. And that should be our only incentive to actually do a good job the trap that he's going to get into it, it to, to you is just try to perform and perform and perform and search for that approval. And that is manifested not only a working manifester in your personal life too. It was hard for me because it was recently actually last GYC when I realized how dependent I was on people's approval. How dependent I was every single GYC that I've been to it. This is my sixth GYC. It's almost like God is taking me one step higher. GYC is not only for, I, I, cons- I still consider myself a very young person. So I stop actually, I think, you know, age is just, it's just mental. So I'm just, I just, I will always stay within those ages. I don't know. Uh, and I will never retire. That's another thing. No, I'm just kidding. But the, the thing is, what I want to say is last year, last year, I realized that part of my insatisfaction sometimes came from expecting from somebody else to recognize what I did. And I realized that as a Christian, we should should never, 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 never put that responsibility on others. Don't you think it's just heavy to expect that a person will always recognize what we do? I don't think that is a calling that we have. I think we have to actually, if you fall into that trap, of only living based on the uh, expectations that somebody else is going to give you a feedback, it will work in different ways for you. It could be an incentive for you at that point of doing a better job, but at the same time, it will just turn you into a person that will do things based on other people's expectations. And that is a big risk that you as a, you know employee can make. So I will tell you another trap that he's going to get you put people's approval above actually God's approval, above God's approval. So, and remember things can come in a very small, you know, in, in, um, things that things can come in, in things that you, um, less expected measuring greatness. According to the world titles and hard profiles cases is what the world looks for. But as Christians, we should focus on being faithful to the opportunities that he has put on our way. It is based, our greatness is based on what? On service to God, not title. What is what we're going to be looking for? Influence, not titles. Influence, not title. So what happens is when you get to that point of titles and just looking for titles, you will get to a point where you lose actually the sense of your mission. You lose the sense of your mission. So in your mind, when you are thinking about what can you do to damage your influence, focus on the titles. Focus on the respect that you gain from obtaining something. Now, titles are not important. And actually, positions are not important. We need to me- measure greatness based on the little things that we do. I want to share with you, uh, when I was studying this topic, um, the example that came to my mind, it was actually the example of Elisha. Remember Elisha? What was his job? The Elisha, what was the work that he did at the beginning for Elijah? Huh? He was a servant. He was a servant. Listen to what he says in Patriarchs and Key, Prophets and Key, in page 218. Titles and high profile opportunities are what the world is focusing on. It says, By faithfulness in leader things, Elisha was preparing for weighted trust. Day by day, through practical experience, he gained a fitness for a broader, bro, bro, broader, broader, higher work. He learned to serve, and in learning this, he learned also how to instruct and lead. The lesson is for all. None can know what may be God's purpose in his discipline, but all may be certain that faithfulness in little things is the evidence of fitness for greater responsibilities. Many times at work, we get some assignments that are not as fun. They're not as, you know how do you call it, um, impactful, but in reality, those are small tasks that God has put in our way. It's, um, it sometimes bothers you when somebody else, by nature, some people are going to strive to get the best. And then all of a sudden, you are the one that just is left with what is the ugly thing to do and to deal with. Maybe God is calling you to deal with that. Maybe God is calling you to deal with that. So greatness is measured in what? How is greatness measured? By the little things that you do faithful. Just think about that example. The little things that you do faithful. There is not such a thing in God's work. There is not such a thing as levels or more important work. All work is important on his eyes. Okay? So now this one, the next one, the next trap... Let me measure my time. Yeah, I'm mean, got to move on. This is one of my things that concerns me the most for Christians. Um, when you work in a corporate environment, there is a great temptation to start competing with each other to try to show worldly prosperity as a sign of success and value. Okay? Based on what car do you drive? Where do you live? Don't you think that's... Have you experienced that? Satan is going to try you to get into that point where you're going to start competing with things and small things as iPad and, you know, I don't know, many things that, that that probably are not that necessary. But I will tell you one thing. As Christian, we need to be able to be free to move on. And that's how we closed it last time in the other meeting. You have to be free to walk away when necessary. You need to be free to walk away when necessary. One of the things that actually limit your ability to walk away is just being into in depth. I will share with you. Um, when I was, um, leaving corporate America, um, I decided to leave. I w- I, it was actually in GYC, um, 2005 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was called, it was just a direct calling from God to leave, to leave, to actually teach students that um, are going to, um, students in uh, business administration program at Wachita Hills College. And it was interesting because that was a conversion experience at GYC 2005. And um, when I went back, this is very interesting, when I went back, I went back to my office and two weeks later we went and visited Wachita Hills and my husband and I started reading about the work of education and we fell in love with that. But I will tell you that I don't know if you heard about executive bonuses. Have you heard about that word recently? Well, I was in the executive bonus program and my executive bonus was due in March. At the end of March, this was January. So my husband and I decided to move to Washita Hills college, but we said we will not say a word, not a word, not a word of what is happening. And the reason why we decided that is because I didn't want my bonus to be impacted in March. So as soon as I received my bonus, I just leave. Well, after that, they noticed because I am very emotional. You know, I'm trying to be, but I I just like, you know, when I'm even working, even if I'm presenting something to you, I will put my emotions into what I am showing to you. They noticed that my emotions kind of went down. And it was normal. I was just looking at something else, you know. They thought I was interviewing with a competition. They really thought I was interviewing with a competition. So they called me and they offered me another job because they, wa- they thought I, was, I needed some challenge. So they were going to consolidate their operations in San Louis. At that time, we were in California. And they wanted us to move to San Louis to lead that. They called me and I knew it. I was just scratching my head. It's like, no way that I'm going to tell them anything. You know, it's like, I will not reply to the messages. I will not. But, you know, two days, three days, they called me again. And I had no choice. I needed to go. And I said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with going and listening. Let me just go and listen to what they need to offer. And, you know, I was with my big smile, pretending and things like that. But I was not going to say a word, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, I was there, but I felt that it was not honest. It was that conviction that I almost like, ooh, it just breaks my heart. So I waited for one or two days more, and I said, I'm not going to say anything. But at the same time, I was God-convicting me. You have to say something. But how am I going to say something? You know, you're going from a salary of this level to a salary of this level. I need that bonus, you know. I really need that bonus. So um, what happened was my husband and I, we pray, and we talk about it, and we said, you know what? It's time to start living by faith. You gotta say something. I went back and I decided to say something. And I finally explained where I was going. They were like and no, the funny thing is when they asked me, uh, and how many students do you have? And I was just like avoiding that question. Because for them saying, you know, a college that had like 35 students, it's like you are out of your mind, you know, what is going on? They don't understand it. So what happened was it was the most beautiful experience because When I went and told them, um, they were in shock. They tried to work something out to see if I could work some days with them, you know, something they were just trying to find a way for me not to leave. But you know, sometimes when you make decisions, you just have to walk away. And that was, I felt that that was the right thing to do. So we went back, I went back, um, that week and it was amazing how, when I told the experience, they, they could, they didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know how to respond to it. Because they didn't have anything to compete or to offer. It was not money. It has nothing to do with money. And what I wanted, they could not offer that to me. So um, one of the leaders came from uh, Germany. It was the GCO, the General Council of the Organization. And she was a very strong woman, and she said that she wanted an interview with me. She wanted to talk to me. So she called me, and I went. Very nice office, and she has, like, sofas and things like that. So when she sat with me at that area, that means, okay, it's time to talk as friendly, but I really need to understand what you're doing. So she talked to me, and she said, do you really know what you're doing? And I said yeah, I think I know what I'm doing. And then she said, um, do you know what it means for you? Because when you leave at that level of an organization, come back, it's impossible. It's just impossible to come at the same level. And I said, you know, if the God that I read in the Bible is true, and I'm certain about it. And I said, and all the stories in the Bible that I read, they're true. The same God that took care of those people, he will take care of me. I will not live in the prestigious places where I used to live. I will not drive the latest model car. I know that for sure. But my bed and my food will never fart. And I, I wish you could see her face. It was almost like it was a conversion experience. It was like something that I could not, I was not expecting. One of the things that she mentioned is, I wish I always dreamed to do something like that. And she said, if you don't, if that doesn't work for you, I'll find something for you. But the thing that I want to say is the only reason why she could not do it is because her financial commitments. I went at that point after that, by the way, all the time that they spent over there, it was witnessing. Because everybody was like, What are you doing? Then I was just happy telling everybody. But avoiding the question how many students the school had. That was like, No, I don't want to tell them. I will just change the topic. Because it was uh, they did, will not understand it. And at that point, the website was not a great, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want them to access the website yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Let me just wait. Um, that was the first thing that I did when I, went, <laughs> when I started working at Wachita Hills, working the website. Um, but one of the things that um, I just want to tell you is that it was a time, and most of the people that I talked to, they had always dreamed. It's almost like God was calling them to so something higher. But the only reason why they could not make that decision, it was because of their there were big financial commitments, big financial commitments. You know, as Christian, I encourage you, I really encourage you, live within your means, live within your means and do not fall into that trap. It is very dangerous because you have, as soon as you assume a financial commitment, you just have to find another job and you're not free and that's not easy. So just a word of counsel, watch out for that. Let me see if my computer continue working. Now, politics at work. How many of you know what is politics at work? Uh, <laughs> how does that feel? <laughs> um, I'm going to read to you. It says at the root of office politics is the issue of manipulation, um, which can happen in any relationship where one or more of the parties involved using direct means to achieve their goals in the workplace. Individuals have an incentive to achieve their goal at the expense of their colleagues, where resources are limited. For example, if six people apply for one promotion, they might expect the selection to be made purely on merit. Where one of the people believes that this will be put them in at a disadvantage, they may use other means of coercion or influence to put themselves into an advantageous position. Politics is something that we cannot escape from in a sinful world. And as a Christian, you have to be able to have the sensitivity to identify when politics are going on and walk away from it. Never get involved into politics because politics actually impact your influence. When that issue is over, your influence is all damaged with the people that were against you in that moment. It is so beautiful when you meet meet people that can stay neutral in situations like that. You actually gain respect for them. And the reason is because it requires spiritual and character strength to stay away from politics. Okay? Watch out because things can come up in the way that you least expected. You know, politics in the office is something that um, can be very dangerous. Um, One thing that... We need to be aware, and I don't want to read the quotes, but um, I think we have time. Daughters of God, page 162. Remember that man must preserve his God's giving talents of intelligence by keeping the physical machinery in harmonious action. Daily physical exercise is necessary to enjoy the health. It is not work, but overwork without periods of rest. Listen to this, that part is very important. It is not Work, but overwork without periods of rest that breaks people down, endangering the life forces. Those who overwork soon reach the place where they work in a hopeless way. The work done to the Lord is done in a cheerfulness and with with courage. God wants us to bring spirit and life and hopefulness into our work. So that answers the questions of, you know, what does overwork do for you? Now, I was actually, that was the topic at Washita Hills. We always meet every, at the end of the semester to study the spirit of prophecy in some topics. As staff, when the students leave, we just get together two days to study. And just ask for wisdom in some questions that we have as an organization. And this last um, few weeks ago, two weeks ago, when we met, that was the, one of the topics. It's just workload. And, and it's, it's, it's simple because sometimes you feel like everybody's working so hard. And it was very interesting because we were expecting to find a specific counsel that says, you know, do not overwork. First thing is work, the level of work is an individual decision that you all make. We all are different. Some of them can handle more, some other less. We should not be judging anybody else. But one of the things, the amazing things that we found, the counsel that in the uh, spirit of prophecy we find is just the unbalanced, they're not being balanced, they're not having enough rest or different type of activity. For example, if you have mental work, you should stop and do something probably physical. Some others will exercise, but you may be working in the garden or you may be doing something completely different that is not overloading your mind. So you have to be and keep in mind that it is your responsibility as a Christian that you need to keep actually a balance in terms of the type of work that you do. You know, you could be using the other time to help somebody else to clean something in your house. It was funny because in that meeting, I was just explaining to them that I just feel bad. People think that I'm a workaholic, but the reality is when I leave my work at the school, I go at home and I do work, but it's just work of cleaning or doing things in the garden and things like that. And I just feel bad for others that may think it's like, I, I just enjoy this. I don't know why, but I don't have any problem with it. But the reality that I learned is just there's actually, you call it work, but it's just a different type of work. So just think about that. Think about doing something probably different. You have to take care of your health. I want to get to number 10, actually, and this is a woman's issue. What is the woman issues? Emotional roller coasters. Um, There is no thing that will influence you, uh, impact your influence, like the emotional roller coasters. As a woman, we tend to be changing our emotions. We are just crying today, and all of a sudden, half an hour later, we're just excited, you know, because this thing happened. And it's just, uh, well, I was like that, but in reality, we need to control a little bit our emotions. Kind of be in the middle, stay in the middle, you know, hide if you need to cry sometimes, you know. Um, but my point is just be careful of your emotional roller coasters. Um, it cannot be, not everybody understands that. Um, and the only thing, and I don't have any comment for this one is relationships. Um, you will be spending most of your time with people from other, um, gender. And I want to warn you of something. Be careful. Just be careful. We need to be able to influence. We need to be able to reach out to others' hearts. Satan is going to try to get you into a relationship probably that is not the right relationship. You need to put God's counsel and God's expectations above any type of emotional relationship, okay? It is very sad to see dedicated, good-intentioned Christian professionals that it doesn't take that long. They're going out with people that are not sharing the same faith. And I will tell you, I am convicted and I know that's what God told us and that's what we should do. I have seen the consequences when people just follow and just follow their emotion and they forget the principles that God has taught us. Do not get involved. Do not get involved in a relationship that will limit the impact and the potential that you have of actually sharing Christ in your workplace. Be careful. Okay? It will be there. Just trust me. It will be there. Okay? The temptation will be there. Bottom line, what the church needs in these days of peril is an army of workers who, like Paul, have educated themselves for usefulness, who have a deep experience in the things of God and who are filled with the earnestness of zeal, sanctified, self-sacrificing. Men are needed. Men are needed. Men who will not shun trials and responsibilities. Men who are brave and true, men in whose heart Christ is formed, the hope of glory, and whom with lips touched with the holy fire will preach the word for once of such workers, the cause of God is languishes. I will tell you one thing. God really needs each and every one of us. But God needs those passionate workers that are willing to share his love and his knowledge anywhere where he least them to be okay so i it is my prayer this morning that what we share is something that you can not only apply to your life that you can share with others too so let's close with a word of prayer and we'll have a meeting this afternoon continue with the topic our heavenly father we want to thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to see the ways that our influence can be impacted we want to ask that every one of the people that were here can be actually use in a mighty way that the holy angels can protect them as they share your love with others. And Father, we want to ask that everything that we review here can stay actually in their minds and in their hearts and that they can remember, Father, that these are warnings of things that Satan uses to actually um, impact our influence with others. We want to ask for your Holy Spirit and your protection as we continue during this weekend at GYC and that our hearts can be in harmony with you, and our hearts also can be open to listen to you all the time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, and I'll see you this afternoon.
0: This message was produced by GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, Or, if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit GYCweb.org or email info at GYCweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48106. This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it, and keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.